sister. Hello, sister. Welcome back to A Blade I Think of Rosewood. I'm Haley. And I'm Morgan. Today, are you feeling spooky? So spooky. <laughs> in a very special episode. <laughs> in what is, look, I'm going to throw this out there, the best special episode of any TV show ever. Exactly. It's definitely one of our favorites of Pretty Little Liars. So yeah. It's top tier. And of course, we are talking about the Halloween train. This is a dark This, this is, is a, a dark, dark ride. ride. I actually have like um oh. I have all uh, some information. Yes. So it today, if you haven't picked up, we're talking about season three, episode thirteen, This is a Dark Ride. And of course, Tuesday, our release date is Halloween. It, it just works out so perfect. So perfect. The episode is directed by Tim Hunter and I Marlene King, written by Joseph Doherty, oh. and originally aired on October twenty third, twenty twenty. 2012. Love a Joseph Doherty episode. Always, always. He's he's a star. I also just love that it's the 13th episode of the season. It's the de- the attention to detail. Yeah, because like obviously 13, like they they do usually you do a special episode. You know, back in the days of yeah, like, I mean, cable like, television, you do a special episode about mid season to go into your like mid season hiatus, right? Or as like a, a treat in the middle of the hiatus or something. Mm-hmm. So like 13 is about midway. And when mm-hmm. you do like a 24 to 26 yeah. episode season, <laughs> but it you you know that it was at least a little intentional. Oh, for sure. I just love it. For the youths. This was the mid season finale. Yeah. Shows used to have 20 plus episodes a season. Take a little break over the holidays. I miss that. We're we're over the the six seasons or six episode seasons that you then wait an entire year yeah between. Um, I just I want I want a meandering season sometimes. Look, I love a really concisely well crafted show for sure, but I also I also love a meandering one. Yeah, I I, I love that. And Pretty Little Liars does this a lot. Pretty Little There's Liars. There's room for filler. There's room for filler. Pretty Little Liars meanders at a breakneck pace, <laughs> and I love that. <laughs> Yes. Before, though, we jump into the episode, I want to give us, like, put us at a place in time, right? Like, a little previously on Mm -hmm. what's been going on with Pretty Little Liars in the last couple episodes leading up to this. So, obviously, Emily killed a guy in the previous episode. You may have heard she killed a guy. (laughs) You may have heard about that. Garrett was in prison for Allie and Maya's murders. Previously had been cleared of the Allie murder because of the anklet that they, that Spencer... And Jason found, which had blood on it that did not belong to Garrett, but maybe belonged to Hannah because it was the same type. And then the police were going to try and get her blood to test it. And then that never happened. And we never heard about the anklet again. (laughs) It wasn't important, obviously. Obviously. (laughs) But important enough to clear Garrett of that murder. Yes. Um, So he he was in prison for Maya's murder up until the episode before this. Yes. When, of course, everything with... Nate St. Germain, Lyndon James happens, Mm -hmm. and they find out, uh, no, Eric did not kill Maya. And then another important detail, Jenna can see now. Yes. Um, And then in the previous episode, we also learned that Toby is on the A-team. Very important. Toby is on the A-team. Also important, though, because I just last night rewatched the episode before this and this one, and I think something that's important to note is Paige, actually. Up until... Uh, Nate St. Germain kidnaps Emily and everything. 
the girls are convinced that Paige is A, and Paige knows this, and there's a bit of a riff with Emily and everything and the girls. They don't, like, reconcile at the end of the episode. There's kind of, like, a look between Spencer and Paige, but that's about it. So that kind of colors sort of everyone's feelings about Paige and, like, the, the kind of weird dynamic I think you see between Paige and the girls, especially Spencer. Definitely. So should we jump into the episode? We're going to do kind of, we're going to attempt to do an episode recap. Yes. And we're going to- we really failed miserably at doing at all when we talked about the PTSD episodes. So sorry. <laughs> I hope you listened and just watched those episodes yeah. before listening. because you were able to follow along. And but we are, we took chronological notes this time. Extensive notes. Yes. And mine aren't that extensive. <laughs> mine are pretty extensive. Oh. <laughs> Well, one of us took extensive notes this time. <laughs> but I just, you know, set the scene, stormy night. That's exactly how my notes start. Yeah. We open on a stormy night in a 1940s mental asylum. <laughs> but it is 2012. But it is 2012. I will never get over the Radley aesthetic. The way that this mental health facility went so hard on a really specific aesthetic. It, yeah. It's a lot. If there's anything that a place in Rosewood is going to do, though, it's go hard on an aesthetic. Yeah, as they should. And we hear Mona singing Teddy Bear's Picnic really creepily so creepy. as she paints a paper mache head. Yeah, she's creating a hay boy. I was actually going to compare it to In Arrested Development. Yeah. When George Bluth is, like, under house arrest in the apartment. Yeah. And is painting all of these paper different paper mache heads to trick the cameras. Yeah. Exactly. But but the use of it is more similar to a hay boy. Yes. A hay boy, of course, being from Weird, the Al Yankovic story on the Roku channel <laughs> with Daniel Radcliffe. And if you haven't seen it, stop this podcast right now and go watch it. No, please don't. We don't have that many listeners. We don't. We, we do need you to finish this episode. But a hay boy is a boy made of hay that you put in your bed to trick your parents so that they don't know you've snuck out of the house. And so Mona's singing, and it's not really clear if she's talking, to, if she's singing to anyone in particular. She starts talking kind of to herself, maybe to someone out. You know, Radley doesn't like Halloween. It's bad connotations. Which, and then we I'm have sorry. A- it has bad connotations for some of the patients. Is this like Arkham Asylum? Yes. Like it, this is like Gotham, and like yes. it's painting the idea that that Radley is filled with like supervillains mm-hmm. of some kind that are or like the occult. Yeah, this is like Riverdale uh, <laughs> later seasons. Yes, there's a great scene where she's she's painting with red paint kind of painting the mouth on this paper mache head and it drips on her shoe it's really like obviously supposed to be blood she turns around and we do see she is actually talking to someone in a classic a hoodie and gives them a handful of bullets bullets and and pills (laughs) which i so like i title of mona's memoir yeah (laughs) i feel like this is toby I agree. I was actually, that was something I wanted us to talk about because as I was doing research for this episode, I saw some, some discourse about this in the fandom wiki comment section. People are like, is it Wilden? I definitely don't think it's, so it's obviously not Cece because Mona doesn't 
know right. that she sees A. And it, it, it's giving the vibe that, like, this is Mona passing off a task. Like, you know, a task is mm-hmm. being sent down the chain. Because if Cece believes in one thing, it is... Hierarchy. Hierarchy. And it is quarantining people so that they don't know about each other. Right. And that's that's why I also don't think it's Wilden. I don't think that Mona knows Wilden's full involvement in any of this. I agree. And Mona, this scene kind of ends with Mona as she's handing off the bullets and pills with a fun quote that I, I wrote down. She says, this is going to be the best Halloween ever. I'd bet somebody's life on that. So good. Next scene, it's daytime. <laughs> uh, yeah, the girls are, wa- the, the four liars are on the, like walking down the sidewalk uh, in the most, I mean, let's talk about their clothes for a second. So first, these clothes seared into my brain. Emily, so Emily's the most They're so important to me. Yeah. (laughs) Emily is in like a crazy patchwork pattern black and white high-low dress with a denim jacket. It's super 2010s. The other three girls. Honestly, a little dressed up for Emily, though. Yeah, fairly dressed up for Emily. And it should should be noted, as I'm about to describe these other three costumes, sorry, not costumes, three outfits, is that they are not costumes. (laughs) This is just what these girls are wearing. So Spencer is in, like, she's just like a 1930s switchboard operator. Yeah. Hannah has, we, we talked about this necklace before. I think it's a sort of Kryptonian alien-looking necklace, mm-hmm. or maybe something someone in the capital would wear. It simultaneously looks like it's from the future, and potentially from some piece of armor that a, that a Roman... Yeah. Or Which Grecian is why I think soldier would wear armor, right? Yeah, so that's why I feel it feels alien to mm-hmm. me. And then she's also like she's got on a a coarse and elastic belt that is kind of like an abstract snake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of like I know that we talked about. I feel like we talked about these outfits in the fashion episode, so I don't oh, know yeah. that we need to like go into extensive detail. Yeah, but look at a picture, guys. Yeah, and then Arya is dressed as a gothic Beetlejuice train conductor. Exactly. Maybe a nod to a future line. Yeah. <laughs> that we'll get to. Absolutely wild outfits, not costumes. My favorite part of this scene is at the end of the scene, they're all kind of walking away, continuing their walk down the sidewalk. And Arya and Hannah are in the, the only way to describe them, cloven heels. They're so tall. They're really struggling to keep up with the other girls. And it shows. They look like, uh, what are, it's not a centaur. Centaurs are the the ho- half horses. What are the half goats? No, you know that N- Timbus. Tim- Timbus. Yes. yes. Yeah. Or like the from Mr. Timbus. Yeah, Mr. Tim. Isn't it Mr. Tim? Tim. 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 Timbo. Timbus. Tim. Timberland. Tumner. Tumnus. Tumnus. Mr. Tumnus. Yeah, the like Mr. Tumnus or like Percy Jackson's friend, who's Grover. I. Percy Jackson's outside of my realm of knowledge. Uh, and, like, the you know, the half goat. There's a there's a term in mythology for for what that is, and I can't remember it. But that's what they look like walking down. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. And also what they sound like. Yes. Um, but to go back, so they, they're, they're doing this walk. They're talking about what costumes they're going to wear that night. And this is important. They've all agreed to go as characters from movies. They are going as characters. They have all agreed together that they are going to go as characters from movies. Yes. This was, I believe, Hannah's idea, but, but again, it's explicitly stated they've all agreed to this. Yes. Anyways, 
Um, and then they, they come upon a house with all these decorations, fake cobwebs, all these things, and then a, a fake coffin that says R.I.P. Allison De Laurentiis. And we find out, we find out that this is Clifford Yeardley's house. Also, the way that Spencer says Clifford Yeardley really scratches my brain in a nice way. I agree. And we do learn that he is such an astonishing jerk, which I, I love that. I love that description for a person. Like, I think I want to use the word astonishing more. Yeah, that's a good resolution. Especially, especially I like astonishing with something negative like jerk. Yeah, it is good. And then Emily goes up to the, you know, casket, right? And of course... Then Clifford Yardley jumps out in <laughs> Allison De Laurentiis blonde wig and like a zombie mask. If only he were wearing a yellow top. If okay. <laughs> that's such an insane. This is already such an insane thing to do, right? Like a girl, a a fifteen year old girl in your town goes missing, murdered, murdered. Yeah, that's right. Presumed she, murdered at this point. And you, she, first of all. Where are his parents? Where are, I mean, classic. I want to know about Clifford Yardley's parents. Where are Mr. and Mrs. Yardley? (laughs) Why are they allowing this to happen in their yard? It's wild. But the, there's something about the extra step of wearing the clothes that she was last seen in that is. (laughs) (laughs) To be be clear, he's not. He's not. He is wearing a blonde wig. God, do I wish he was (laughs) now. Imagine. I know. Anyways, moving on. Uh, well, I, I do want to say that Caleb and Hannah are apparently, they make reference to the fact that Hannah's like, oh, she's going to go to the dentist. Uh, and they're like, oh, you're going to go see Caleb. Because apparently this is the go-to excuse for Caleb and Hannah to meet up because they're hiding their relationship from A right now. And I think this is discussed later, but this is her third cleaning in two months. Yeah. Mm, who's paying for this? Who's paying for this? This is a terrible excuse. There's so many better excuses. Hannah, you should be saying you're going to therapy. People would believe that. Yeah. Then just famously, something you go to at most a couple times a year. Yeah. It's wild. It's a wild excuse. Okay, then we get to the, we get the opening credits. We have the special Halloween credits again with black nail polish and lipstick and the blood dripping down. That's fun. Yeah. Um, they use those same opening credits in The First Secret, the first Halloween episode. And now we are at the Hastings house where Garrett is dropping off some flowers for Veronica because he's now been released from prison. Spencer sees him and they, you know, she's trying to get Garrett to tell her what, what he knows. And he, then Toby kind of storms in looking all menacing and is like, get out of here. Yeah. He clue blocks her. <laughs> clue block. Yeah. I yeah. like that. And first of all, Garrett does say at one point, it's nice not having a big slab of glass between us. Ugh. Back off. <laughs> yeah. So creepy and threatening. I have another quote. Yeah, I know exactly what quote you have. <laughs> Take it away. This is after Toby scares Garrett away, and Spencer and Toby are kind of talking, being a little flirty, and Spencer says, you make it so hard to be a modern post-feminist when you get so alpha male. Sorry, we were not post-feminism in 2012. No, yeah, I don't know what that was. I don't know. Post-modern feminism, that would make sense. But modern post-feminist, I don't understand. Agreed. Uh, And that is the order. I wrote it down. Also, then, you know, they... They're like hugging and Toby makes evil face over her shoulder. Yeah. Are we, I did not make note of every evil face from Toby, but just know they're throughout. Yeah. Evil face throughout. Yeah. 
Um, next scene, we are at the dentist with Hannah and Caleb making out in a massive supply yeah. closet. And as we're coming into that, though, we hear the sounds of the dentist, which sound like torture. You hear <laughs> drills whirring, like whirring, and you hear someone someone yell, "Hold still!" <laughs> um, that's There's a lot of crazy background <laughs> dialogue and stuff in this episode. Oh, so much. Um, it's funny that that's what you picked up on. What I picked up on was that this dentist office is. For some reason, stocking seventh generation paper towels. Those are expensive paper towels. High end dentist, it is Rosewood. Yeah, and then at this point, Hannah gets cock blocked by cleaning supplies. Yes. Uh, because they all like fall on them and stuff. Because they're making up against a supply show. Yeah. Um, anyways, and then they're, you know, they're lamenting that they have to hide, and this is when Hannah reveals this is her third cleaning in two months. Yeah. Um, She's really. Ash is going to have to steal some money from the bank for yeah. this. She's because like, you're really not into those are covered by insurance. No, she's also like really into his gunshot scar. She's like really turned on by that. We're lucky she didn't hit on Ezra after his gunshot because she seems really into that. Yeah. Next scene. Now we're at Arian at it. it sorry, it is Ezra's But Arya, it does feel like it Arya does lives feel there. Feel like Arya lives there. She's she, answering the door to hand out candy to trick or treaters. Well, she's here before he even is. And she clearly gets, like, quite a bit of satisfaction, I think, out of feeling very domestic in Ezra's Absolutely. It makes her feel grown up. So she's kind of organizing her costume. Ezra comes in, tells her that he can't go to the ghost train. Because he's meeting about ghosting on a biography in Philly. I don't know. It's said with with some an element of suspicion. There is something about the way he says it and the way he is in this entire scene. And I... And as I was like looking back at this after wa- rewatching last night, I thought he has a child, which is maybe something previously that I should have shared in the previous Leon. Yeah. But he doesn't know that yet. I wonder, and he had recently reached out to Maggie and we know that he doesn't know about the kid, but I'm wondering, is he meeting Maggie? Is there, you know what I mean? I don't think that that's what we're supposed yeah. to believe, but like there's something so the way he is in this entire scene and honestly in the entire, I mean, this is really the only scene, but I haven't. I haven't. Unf- I haven't. Unfor- I had an unfortunate realization about oh. this. But let's let's talk about the rest of the scene because I'm gonna. Right. The the realization happens at the end. Right. So, so Arya kink kink shames people who like role play because Ezra's like, oh, you can show it to me tomorrow, and she says, playing dress up for your man on Halloween is one thing. You do it any other night, and you end up on an afternoon talk show. Okay, Arya, actually, we get it. You're boring. Yeah, like that's average like and boring. let's be clear her costume isn't particularly like wouldn't be Sexy. necessarily super kinky no no it yeah and, and this is again it's why I'm i sure, just you know what understand. though you know they would make it kinky oh of course they would <laughs> well they wouldn't because aria's not kinky yeah but th- this is why i just don't understand why as an adult you wouldn't even want to date a teenager i just imagine right. that the sex would be so boring <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it definitely is. Um, and then in the to keep with the rest of the episode, the, what's happened so far, they're cock blocked by mm-hmm. trick or treaters. Yep. You you read my mind. That was <laughs> I did track a theme through these scenes. Spencer's clue blocked. Yes. Anna's cock blocked by cleaning supplies. Arya's cock blocked by six year olds. Yes. Which also feels like a bit of a meta statement about her relationship. She's yeah. By children. Yeah. Her and Ezra kissing. You see her giant clawed ring hands uh, <laughs> yes. around his neck and then she gets up to go 
pass out the candy. And first of all, she is in lingerie, essentially. Yeah. I guess you would, it's conservative for lingerie, but it's, I it's think like it's a slip dress, but then she has these, like, the tights underneath it really make it look yeah, like Yeah, because she's taken off her Beetlejuice jacket from earlier. Yeah. It looks like lingerie. And so I'm just going to say, if I were a parent in this apartment building, sending my children to trick-or-treat around the apartment building, I would be uncomfortable with my grown adult neighbor having his 17-year-old girlfriend handing out candy and lingerie. I don't like that Same. as a parent. Yeah. As a hypothetical parent in this situation. <laughs> not something I approve of. Yeah. And then it the scene ends with a close-up of Ezra's face. Again, looking kind of like... He looks suspicious, right? Suspicious, maybe I had anxious a real- about a lie that he's told. It's weird. And here's where the realization yeah. comes in. Hilly... He's looking at the bed where her costume is. I think it's no, a horny look. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Uh, I, because no, there's no reason for him to be suspicious. Absolutely nothing about that face. I agree. That is horny. I agree. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think it might. It may be supposed to be. You think that's what Ian Harding is playing in this scene? Unfortunately, p- potentially, because there's nothing he hasn't She's started monitoring. I yeah. But he really likes the idea of her being Daisy Buchanan, I think. He hasn't started writing the book again. He ha- he doesn't know about Malcolm. like, And there's no payoff right. ever for this suspicious behavior, which is why I think it's like a horny curiosity about the costume. And I reject that. I mean, look, every, every part of my being rejects it as well. But unfortunately, the evidence suggests that might be the case. I don't see that evidence. Next scene? Yeah. So now we're in the brew, and this is the meeting place for the shuttle to take them all to the Halloween train. Yes. The brew is the most decorated it could be for a party they that's not ham. taking place there. It looks it looks like when a school is trying to disguise the fact that a dance is happening in the gym. Uh-huh. Except for, actually, nothing's happening here. They're just waiting for a shuttle. Yeah, but the brew said, we love a theme. We're going to commit to it. This is going to be the best shuttle holding spot you've ever seen and, and they were right there's there's walls there's waterfalls of like smoke or dry ice that people yeah. are walking through it's yeah it's there's also a, a lot of dolls being hung oh my god all right over. i didn't notice that so i didn't make note of that but I have seen that in previous watches. Yeah, sometimes, like, one of them, I noticed it first because it was, like, it looked like a, a Barbie doll that was, like, a 1950s housewife did, kind of look that was being hung from, like, a lamp. Did Aria do the decoration? <laughs> Aria might have done the decorations. I mean, Ezra doesn't own the brew yet, but... Yeah. I, you have to imagine, Ezra, anytime he does a Halloween event at the brew, he just lets Aria decorate for it, and it's the most upsetting thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Yeah, the turnout when she takes over, not great. Not great. So first we see Hannah and Aria. Hannah comes in. She's in a great, like, classic Marilyn Monroe, white the white dress. Paparazzi taking her picture. Yeah. Um, Lucas is there, dressed as an old-timey photographer. Yeah. Using an old-timey camera. Haley, the people of Rosewood commit. <laughs> right, you're right. They commit to yep. Halloween. And I love that. <laughs> and then... Her and Arya get together, meet up or whatever, and are talking about their costumes. Hannah says, who are you supposed to be? And Arya goes, Daisy uh, Daisy Buchanan Buchanan from The Great Gatsby. And Hannah goes, the movie? 
And Ari goes, no, the book, you dumb fucking idiot. Yeah. She says that's exactly the tone. That. That's the tone. Yeah. That it's she very says like it. a, oh, Hannah. And again, remember, a they few minutes agreed ago. to go as characters from movies. Yeah. Arya shows up as Daisy Buchanan. Hannah, rightfully so, is like, oh, right, because The Great Gatsby is also a movie. And Arya's like, no, you dumb bitch, like the book. <laughs> <laughs> and then Hannah says to Arya, where's your author? Implying. I guess that was Ezra going to not be dressed as a character from the Great Gatsby. No, not he like was going to Gatsby as Scott Fitzgerald. Yeah, of the namesake that he comes from. Yeah, like, which is so upsetting. The idea of a woman dressing up as a character from a book and her boyfriend is as the couple's costume. Her boyfriend being the author that that wrote that character upsets me. Yeah, I don't like it. Especially when uh, the boyfriend's an adult and the girlfriend is a 17-year-old child. Yeah. Noel and Jenna come over. Noel is dressed as... So the fandom wiki said he's dressed as a prince, but I feel like it's a little bit more like of a matador vibe. Very matador vibe. Uh Uh-huh. And then Jenna's like a pirate, but like... With an eye patch. With an eye patch, which is hysterical on Jenna's part. Mm -hmm. But also, her like hat has like a ship on it. It's like... She's into hats. Yeah, they're very... Weird. She is into hats. She threw an entire birthday party themed around it. Which we'll get to, but go ahead. I didn't fully understand what they were. Well, it's not a couple costume. I no. think we can rule that out. Yeah. Which which is fine. Fits, actually. I don't feel like they I don't would think do a they should do a couple Because costume. neither, they would both have in mind who they, what they wanted to be for Halloween, and they would not compromise that no. for the other. No. Anyways, the four of them have some suspicious repartee, just their classic kind of like trading banter at each other that are vaguely like menacing in nature yeah i feel like the the noel jenna liar banter is always like hinting that like you know that thing i know about you exactly there's always an undercurrent of yeah i have dirt on you yeah usually if if noel and aria are involved it's like a i know you're fucking our english teacher (laughs) yeah and you know they talk about why noel isn't throwing a party um because usually the cons throw a Halloween party. Yeah. And then after the conversation, Arya and Hannah see a creepy, like the, the baby, burlap baby, the burlap baby, the classic, I the think classic like pretty little liars, burlap baby. <laughs> the, I think it's actually a zombie baby. Well, is the, idea. the fandom wiki calls it baby faced killer. Oh, never heard that before in my life. That, be, someone made that up. Might be a, a real thing that I'm just like not aware of, but I like burlap baby better. So then Spencer and Toby enter, and they're dressed as kind of a 1940s couple. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think they're supposed to be the couple from Casablanca. And that is where you are wrong. Oh, are they not? Because this is where I did some research. Okay. So it's actually quite interesting, and I'm going to read a little bit about it. So Spencer is actually dressed as Marie Slim Browning from the 19, 1944 film To Have and Have Not a film adaptation of the novel by Hemingway. Starring, sorry, sorry, I just want you to imagine that your friend group decided to all dress up as characters from movies and that's who one of your friends came yeah, dressed as. I know, yeah. So I'm going to give a little bit of a, a quick summary of the novel and then a, like a quick summary of the film. So the novel Hemingway depicts, oh, because this is important actually, Toby is dressed as Harry Steve Morgan, who is 
Humphrey Humphrey Bogart's character in the movie. At least he's not Hemingway. Right. <laughs> okay, so in the novel, Hemingway depicts Harry as an ordinary working man of the Depression era, forced by dire economic forces into the black market activity of running contraband between Cuba and Florida. The film summary, the film changes a lot of the story. It makes it more of like kind of a thriller romance setting. It's set in Key West, not relevant. It removes kind of these themes of economic inequality, class conflict, and it's, again, it's a romantic thriller focused on kind of this relationship. But I thought that, I thought the plot of the novel feels so interesting considering that we know that Toby is on the A-team. And if you, if you will, maybe it's the black market and he's, his activity is running contraband of secrets. Yeah. And also handfuls of pills and bullets. <laughs> yes, also <laughs> pills and bullets. Anyways, I thought that was so interesting because I was like, I wanted to know that there are those characters. Because is that what the line is from? The like, uh, just put your lips together and blow. Okay, <laughs> that's not the actual line, um, but I, know, I, did, I remember. I did write down the actual line. It says, "If you need me, whistle. You know how to whistle, don't you?" That is a line fr that Marie says to Harry in To Have. But isn't have the not. line immediately after that, put your lips together and glow? <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> I think it, it might. It might. Am I making this up? I don't know. Who I knows? don't remember. I didn't take note of that line. Anyways, that is, I, because I, I always assumed that they were from Casablanca. But no, it's a little bit yeah. of a deeper cut. And then Noel proceeds to quote-unquote, choke. Mm -hmm. And Spencer and Toby... We see some of the worst emergency act reactions uh, I've ever seen. It's I've so seen. bad, it can only be interpreted as attempted murder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they're, like, telling him, like, calm down, like, calm down. They're not... They, no one, no no one, one is attempting the Heimlich. No. Which, he's good for laying. Noel, because Noel really didn't think this through. No. And then they... As Noel's choking, they just kind of gently lay him on the ground to die. <laughs> Thank God Noel wasn't choking because we would have, we, he would have died and we would, would have, have missed his beheading later on. His beheading, yes. That, hey guys, that's oh, not how you respond to someone choking. And all of this is because he's playing a little prank and there's like a little pop-up devil that shoots oh, out yeah. of his shirt. Yeah. That's what's going on. Yeah. Then Emily and Paige enter. Through, like, again, through another waterfall of smoke. And yep. they look great. Yeah. Emily is, is, of course, dressed as Barbarella, looking phenomenal. But Incredible. when is she not? And Paige, I don't know what she is. Right? Yeah. So. I've never known. Did I did some research. Thank you. And I found out, and it is actually kind of interesting. So Paige is dressed up as Marlene Dietrich. In a scene from a, the 1930s, a film in the 1930s called Morocco, where she she is wearing this tuxedo. Sorry, I'm just really struck again by this friend group was like, let's all dress as people <laughs> from movies. Yeah. And these are the people that they have chosen to dress as. Mm -hmm. They're insufferable. I love yes. them. But it's actually kind of like there's like an interesting queer history here. At the time, it was really controversial to put a woman in a tux. It was groundbreaking. Yeah. And so that is, and the whole film kind of plays on this theme of like the interchange of masculine and feminine. And so I think that's like a really like interesting costume to put Paige in specifically. 
Uh, Marlene Dietrich was nominated for an Academy Award for this role. Hmm. Didn't win. That is the end of my fun costume research that I did. There's like a really fun, there's a fun line. I don't remember who it is that says it, but the way they describe Emily and Paige is a wedding cake from outer space. Yeah. And I love that. that. Yeah. (laughs) That does sound like Hannah. Yeah. And then, so then Jason enters dressed, I believe as James Dean, presumably from Rebel Without a Cause. Yes. So Jason also got the group movie costume memo, it seems. Yeah. Uh, He was included in that group chat. And also weirdly is at this teen party. Oh, it's unclear if this is a teen party, if this is an adult party that teenagers are allowed at. There doesn't seem to be alcohol, so I don't know why yeah. adults would want to go to this Halloween party. But you also definitely shouldn't have alcohol because, spoiler alert, this train is going so fast. <laughs> That's, I have that We'll talk about that more later. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, this is the speed train. Yeah. And then I just want to talk about, this is one of the first shots that we get of, like, the extras costumes. And some of the costumes look thought out, right? Like, this Mm -hmm. is a person that put together a Halloween costume. Mm -hmm. And then others look like these are extras in a TV show, and we gave them a plastic bin of various clothing items, and they put things on. And it's not a cohesive costume. I kind of like that, because I feel... I like everything about this episode. I, I know. have I have no critiques. No critiques. This feels though there are different types of people. There are people who do put together really kind of well thought out Halloween costumes, and then there are people who are like, "What if I wore this funny hat?" That and that's my costume. Yeah. And then there's people that are like, "I have James Dean's red jacket. I'll do that." Yeah, I have a. They white usually t- dress up as greasers. Yeah, they have a leather jacket. I have a white T-shirt. I guess I'll be a greaser. So next scene, we're at the Marin household. Ashley and Ted are handing out, or have set up a really elaborate scene. Ashley is descri- is dressed as a nurse. And I have to say, this this is definitely dating me, but she looks like the nurse on the cover of the Blink-182 album, mm. Enema of State, yeah. but with a red wig. Yeah. It's like, honestly, even her makeup, is very similar to the makeup I, I looked up the like album art again to like compare. Maybe that's who she's dressed as. It's a very possible. Nurse. I I think she is. It's also something about the red wig because if the costume itself is actually not that no, sexy, not. the hemline is pretty long. There's not really like any cleavage, mm-hmm. but something about the red wig with it just makes it feel oh, too totally. sexy yeah. for what's happening. Yeah, and Ted is dressed as some evil doctor. Yeah. Some mad scientists. And it's really, that's all that happens cliche. in the scene is we're really just setting up our, our other location for the rest of the episode. Yeah. They're just greeting trick-or-treaters and talking about doing, Halloween. Yeah, doing little gummy worms. Yeah. It, it, something about it does feel like foreplay, and I don't care for that. <laughs> like, they're just, yeah. Uh, like, I, you know, you feel like they're definitely planning on having sex later. And a yeah. ghost child does get in the way of that, but Ashley is cockblocked by a ghost. Um, it's the theme. It's the theme. But also at one point in this scene, Ted says, to, I can't remember the exact reason for this response, but he says to Ashley, yes, nurse. Ugh. Ugh. I hated it. Yeah. Anyways, um, again, as a parent, I would be uncomfortable with this. Yes. We're back on the train. It's dark. We're all walking into the train car. Then... Adam Lambert starts singing, starts performing, and we are all just 
loving it. Loving it. it. And my favorite thing about this scene is Spencer says, quote, you've got to be kidding me. Which I think we're supposed to believe. She's saying this like, wow, it's so cool. The tone in which it's said. It seems like she's disappointed that her small Pennsylvania town got Adam Lambert yeah, for the Halloween Yeah, she says party. it like she's annoyed. Yeah, like, she has personal beef with Adam yeah, like, Lambert. you have got to be kidding me. Every party she goes to, Adam Lambert is performing, and she just is, she thought maybe this would be the one where Adam Lambert's not performing, and he was. Yeah, that's he's what it, stalking that's her code. through his performances. The other thing is, for me, I've seen this episode so many times because Adam Lambert is dressed as a vampire. He's got right. like, white makeup on. He's got fangs on. Like he's fully dressed as a vampire for this performance. And in my mind, to me, Adam Lambert is a vampire. Like when I think of Adam Lambert, I think of him as a vampire because yeah. that this is my, even though I watched that whole season of American Idol, this is my main reference point for Adam Lambert. I agree. Same. Yeah. Um, and he is performing his song, Cuckoo. Yes. Well, he had an album drop this year that this came out. Not mm. this year, 2023. This no. year, uh, 2012, yes. when this yes. <laughs> episode came out. Uh, so this was definitely a like promotional, you know, for the album. Oh, I assumed so. But I also want to talk about the logistics here of this train for a second. Because this is, they, they call on the intercom, they call this the performance car. Sorry, so we, we got Adam Lambert to come perform. And then we were like, if you want to watch and perform, you all have to fit into a single train car. Like, mm-hmm. logistically, as a party, a train oh, is a I, difficult choice to have a single, like, focal point of entertainment. I talk about the logistics of this train party for hours on end. I won't I won't submit the listeners I, I, to that. Yeah. I mean, it is my deepest desire to attend exactly. a Halloween train it is, party. It is also, it is one of my biggest questions and one of my biggest dreams. Yeah. If there's anybody who has access to a train, please, please throw a Halloween train party. I will pay upwards of, I would pay $1,000. Yeah. I would pay $1,000 to attend a Halloween train party. <laughs> and that, that scares me. Yeah. <laughs> Next scene is a quick one. We're in Radley. There's a nurse who's looking into the window of Mona's room, kind of like doing a room check. And we see, the nurse doesn't see this, but we see that Mona's not in her bed. And what is in her bed is the paper mache head that we saw yeah. her making earlier. Back to the train. Hannah is doing the robot. We're, we're dancing and reviving to Adam Lambert. And the Phantom of the Opera slides up behind Hannah, presu- touches her ass. Yeah. She kind of her. like, she kind of turns around and like shoes him away and is like, do that again. And yeah. Spoiler alert, that's Caleb. Uh, I assume that you all remember that. You know that funny joke where you make your girlfriend think that she's being sexually assaulted? That classic? Hysterical. So funny. So funny, Caleb. Um, And then in the next scene, we move into another train car, which is the drinks car, the refreshment car. We're going to spend a lot of time in this car for a reason. Yes. The focal point being the coffin full of ice and drinks. Which I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a thrower of parties, yeah. but if I were to ever throw a Halloween party, it would absolutely be a must have. It would be a coffin full of drinks. Absolutely. And it needs to be a full size coffin. It needs to oh, like yeah. a coffin. Like it's not like a mini, like oh, a mini coffin. No, no it is a full size coffin. Although, that implies it's a child's coffin. 
that's upsetting. You gotta yeah, go full size. You gotta coffin. go full size. Hilly, if uh, if we ever, if I ever do throw you a funeral birthday party like Demi Adijawibe, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll make sure that that's Thank how you. drinks are served. So then we have a conversation next to the coffin of drinks between Jenna and Toby. Where Jenna says to Toby, again, I, I don't know why Jenna's so into Toby. Like, she's, she's obsessed. She's with literally this guy. dating Noel, who is so much hotter, so much cooler than Toby. Yeah. But, like, Jenna kind of flirtily says, What do you think of my costume? And Toby says, It's very nice, but I liked you better like this. And then remember, she's wearing a, uh, she's wearing an eye patch over one eye, and Toby goes and covers her other eye. <laughs> and she kind of, you know, she slaps his hand away and she, stomps off but oh my god (laughs) yeah like I think if anybody is capable of saying that to Jenna or has any right to say that to Jenna it's Toby yeah but certainly not the girls who blinded her who also make fun of her blindness a lot but my god I can't imagine oh it's it's insane but it's also I love it (laughs) I love it so much then we get a scene with Jason and Spencer Jason is back from maybe rehab. I don't know. Yeah, he has not fallen down the elevator yet, right? Right. Okay. I actually don't know. I don't think think so. so. I don't think so. Anyways, Jason is back in town. That's, you know, Spencer. And so Spencer had spotted him at the brew earlier and didn't get a chance to talk to him. So now she's cornered him in next to the drinks coffin. Yeah. And then uh, ultimately what they're talking about doesn't matter that much. What matters to me in this scene is that Jason then makes eye contact with Lucas. Lucas, Super weird eye contact. Super weird eye contact. Then Lucas leaves the train car. And Jason follows. Jason follows. That's That's it. it. (laughs) Nothing will ever come of that. Nope. Now we're back in the performance car. Adam Lambert performing Trespassing. And there is some crazy ADR in this scene. Yeah. Go, Adam. Come on, Adam. (laughs) Come on, Paige. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like and it's so loud it's so weird it's, yeah I just like could you imagine and this is one of those moments I often like am watching things and I think about what a silly thing acting is and this is one of those moments where can you imagine these people were brought in to do ADR where you're just like standing in a in a sound booth recording lines and they were saying things like work it Adam Come on, Paige! Like, what? Yeah. Can you imagine doing that? It also that? makes it seem like they're it's like they're being really encouraging to Adam Lambert during his yeah, performance. Like, like maybe he's like nervous. Like it's kind of like if or, or he's a, a classmate yeah. who's performing and we're just all really trying to like exactly give him some confidence. Yeah. Boost his confidence. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Well demeaning to Adam Lambert, actually. Yeah. Yeah. This is a professional. Yeah, if you watch this episode, pay close attention to the ADR that's happening because that's just a that's just a sampling, yeah, of how crazy the ADR is in that scene. So I have next scene foreplay continued. We are back in the Marin household. Yes, uh, a ghost child has appeared. Uh, Very creepy. I feel like people were people got really hung up on this and like trying to read into like what the ghost child meant. It's just Halloween fun, guys. Mm-hmm. Just a fun Halloween ghost child. In, in fact, the writers and, like, producers have confirmed that the child is not meant to represent Cece or anyone in particular. It's just fun Halloween stuff, guys. A little fun. Next scene, Hannah's, like, outside on a platform between cars sort of thing. There's yeah. outdoor space. Another, 
to go back to the logistics of this train. An insane choice. This is where we really first get the sense of how fast this train is going. Yeah. And when I say this is a bullet train. Rosewood exists in a universe where there is like a high-speed train between Philadelphia and New York. It's going so fast. And so fast. And there guests are able to go outside of the train. There are There is outdoor and space. Not, not even are able to. Required to, it yeah. would seem, in order to get from car to car. Yeah. It's wild. And then basically Caleb, you know, plays Dresses a hilarious... He plays a hilarious prank on his girlfriend where she thinks that she's being cornered on a speeding train by a stranger that's going to violently sexually assault her. And it's hilarious. And I think mm-hmm. we can all agree that that's a yeah. hilarious prank. And then he reveals that it's him. Yeah. And Hannah's totally fine with that. She has no problem and with make out. Next scene, Arya is alone <laughs> in the drinks car. <laughs> this is also one of my favorite scenes so she's looking sad adam lambert comes up between sets i guess and says i can't tell if you're having fun or not um then aria says this is incredible is is this fun for you adam goes oh this is absolutely fun for me (laughs) there's just something so first of all it's so funny okay obviously like i think we're supposed to think this is flirting yeah uh Mm -hmm. and uh, first of all adam lambert has decided to go up to what I imagine is just the most bored looking woman on this train. Mm-hmm. And just like, I can't tell if you're having fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a weird approach. Yeah. And also, Adam Lambert is gay, isn't he? Hi. I would assume so. I mean, I guess he could be bi. I'm yeah. not sure. But anyways. You certainly you're not picking up any chemistry right. here. Then Adam asks her her name. And she says, says it. But for whatever reason, they're going through like a tunnel or something. And it's too loud. He can't hear so she has to write her name on the window, kind of like in the condensation in the window. And her name is Aria. We know, we all know that. Yeah. Anyways, but it, I don't know. <laughs> her name's Aria. <laughs> I don't know if you've met her, but anyways, but in the background, we see the Queen of Hearts or someone dressed up as the Queen of Hearts watching this conversation very creepily. And then we see them scoop, open up a ring, scoop out some powder with the like massive fingernail, like, press on fingernail and drug Aria. Yeah. Well, and also at one point, Adam. So I, I have I have two things to say here. One, the panache of that drugging ring. Look, don't drug people, but God, if you're gonna do it, do it with that kind of panache. Oh my God. <laughs> What's your other? Thing? <laughs> my other thing is Adam Lambert basically makes her promise to be like front row at the next set. Right. Obviously, she's not going to make that. No. And I just want to imagine like an alternate sh- an alternate episode where Adam Lambert's so concerned about Arya because yeah. she didn't show up for his set that Adam Lambert joins them in searching the train for Arya. That would have been so fun. <laughs> I love that. Um, okay, next scene. Emily and Paige are making out in one of the cabins because we've also left the cabin cars accessible. Again, another logistics thing. Just we've left the cabin. Begging for teen pregnancies. Open. Open for people to go and have sex in. And this... Okay, and this is a common theme in dances and events on this show. There are so many private areas for teenagers to have sex in. It's almost like the school wants them to, but instead, instead of using it for sex like the school wants them to, these teenagers use them exclusively for murder. I, I think that the school would prefer that they were having sex. Yeah, I think that they are trying they're, they're to. They're just like, maybe we give them room to have sex. They won't commit murder or any number of crimes but predictably they just use those private spaces to commit more murder yeah and i do want to say 
I, I want to make a comment here about how this show portrays lesbian kissing. <laughs> because at the time, the show was pretty, you know, forward thinking and progressive just for depicting a lesbian yeah. relationship. Any, any affection yeah. or, yeah. But I think the way that Emily and Paige are kissing and like, you know, Paige is, you know, taken aback by how absolutely stunning Emily is and is voicing this. Fair. Understandably. And they, they start kissing and it's so tame. They're standing foot of space in between their bodies, just like gingerly holding their hands, yeah. each other's hands in between their bodies. And just like very tame kissing compared to what we have seen happen. Hannah's out on the, on the yeah. outside of the train, on the patio terrace thing, whatever you want to call it, getting boned by Caleb. Yeah. <laughs> and like, we can't even let Emily and Paige's bodies touch? Yeah. It's yeah. insane. It, yeah, the, the lesbian, the lesbian action tends to be quite chaste. So tame. Uh, next scene, Spencer is walking through the empty part of the train, again, near these cabins. Well, everybody's crammed shoulder to shoulder into this performance car, <laughs> so it's yeah. pretty empty everywhere else. Yeah, and she's accosted by Burlap Baby, and Burlap Baby turns out to be Garrett, who brings her out onto another one of these, like, in-between car platforms. <laughs> And guys, I just want to say, Spencer, in her 1940s, like, costume, with the wind of this, like, old-fashioned train, you really, it really drives home the way that Pretty Little Liars was like, we're going to do film noir, Mm -hmm. but we're not going to take ourselves seriously. We're Mm going to do it so fun. And I love, I love the aesthetic of Pretty Little Liars. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then they're talking and they're having this conversation that Toby Clue blocked earlier you know, she wants to know what Garrett knows, basically. And he, yeah. there's two flashbacks here. One yeah. is, I mean, they're both the night of Ali, uh, the alley disappears. There, and he tells her about how they were up in Allie's room. We've seen that video. Uh, and then he and Jenna, this is where we get the flashback of him and Jenna in the backyard, in the dealer into backyard. They're approached by Allie, pops out from behind a tree. Jenna um, and Allie fight. Garrett kind they of. They have a little slap fight. Yeah. Allie pushes her. Uh, then Garrett picks up the field hockey stick and sort of hits hits at Allie, but like hits the tree and Allie kind of drops to the ground. And Jenna, Jenna thinks that Garrett has killed Allison and Garrett lets her believe that. And this is the hockey stick that Toby finds in episode ep- season two, episode seven, Surface Tension, that Where, then Peter Hastings destroys. Yes. And that they think is like proof that Jason maybe killed Allie at the time. Um, and then flashback number two, yeah. Garrett goes back, and then this is uh, after he's dropped Jenna off at home or whatnot, he goes back and he sees Allie and Byron talking. So Spencer's obviously like, no, like, no way. Why didn't you say anything when you were arrested? And I also have that same question. Also, in this flashback, Byron is standing way too close to Allie. He's talking so close to her. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I also love the that Allie says in that, she's like, I don't make people do these things. Really, like, Byron should just be like, how many people are you blackmailing? Yeah, right. Like, Garrett also says in this scene to Spencer, he says, uh, you were the one I really wanted to keep safe. I have this whole quote. Okay. Because um, I also was like, so when he first pulls her out there, he says, I'm sorry. Honestly, I'm sorry. I liked you. You were the one I really wanted to keep safe, but I wasn't strong enough. I thought I had everything under control, but I didn't. I didn't even know what the game really was, was really about. God, I was a police officer and I ended up in a cell. So this got me... 
thinking again about Garrett and Jenna's relationship. And I I think I've come to the conclusion, I think Garrett, I, I think Garrett did genuinely like Jenna at first, right? But I think Garrett, as we see him, like, not in flashbacks, but in, like, the modern time, I think Garrett is with Jenna because he's stuck in that relationship mm-hmm. because of the, the fake murder. Yeah. And so I actually think that Garrett maybe doesn't particularly like Jenna. Yeah, I agree. So after he, like, tells Spencer, you know, those two flashbacks about what happened the night Allie disappeared, Spencer says, you're going to have to tell Aria this. I'll go get her. And then next scene, we see Caleb and Hannah making very not discreet eyes at each other. Caleb fully takes off his mask to get a drink out of the casket. and Because Sp- uh, we're in the drinks car again. Yeah. Spencer comes in. She's looking for Aria. Her and Hannah find her little purse sitting on the seat where she was yeah and then the window where she had written aria the first three letters of her name are wiped away and it's just an a and they get i guess like the one and only a text from this yeah from this in this episode and it says guess who's not going to make it to the end of the line a next scene is very brief we see aria kind of slowly opening her eyes she's in the dark she's got duct tape over her mouth Duct tape around her wrist. Becomes clear she's, like, in a box. Yes. Uh, Then we see Spencer, Hannah, and Emily kind of having a little conference. Uh, Spencer tells Hannah and Emily what Garrett had told her. They start the search for Aria. And uh, Hannah has the great line here where, like, somebody was like, oh, like, why would they do that? And and Hannah's like, to mess with us. Everybody is messing with us. You can get a varsity letter messing with us. Yeah. And so true. And then they're, so... They're starting, they're about to start the search and they're going to enlist the boyfriends and, and Hannah says something along the lines of like, oh, Caleb's on board too. Then the way she says, he surprised me. me. It's like, girl, your friend's missing and A has threatened to kill her. Yeah. It doesn't, the way that she like, she like is so excited to like tell her friends that like he surprised her. It's like the excitement over that should be gone at this point because your friend is missing. Yeah. Uh, She also then, Hannah, as we love Hannah, (laughs) Hannah then says, guys, A is on this train. Fucking duh. A was always Always going to be on this this train. train. The the fact that they didn't go on this train knowing A is going to be here (laughs) is insane. And then so Spencer separates from the others while I think Hannah and Emily are going to get Caleb and Toby to help search. Back to back in the box with Aria in the next scene and she like kind of tips knocks the box over, yeah. over, almost, you know, stabs herself in the eye with a <laughs> nail. Next scene. Hannah finds Caleb in the drinks car. Caleb starts trying to feel her up. Uh, and then she resists at first because she's trying to tell him like, oh no, we've got to find Aria. But she you know, 100% know. gives in. She's like, fine. She like turns out like, fine, just like a quick feel. You know, <laughs> it's like the vibe. Meanwhile, Arya's potentially dead? Yeah. <laughs> or moments away from death? Yeah. Oh, I mean, we, she is barely saved her. Barely. As Hannah's being felt up by presumably Caleb, she sees Caleb at the drink coffin. Yeah, you know, lifting his mask up, taking a drink, and, you know, whirls around and rips, rips off the face of the mask off. And then there's another mask underneath. Yeah. And Al- one of Ali- the Allie An masks. Allison mask and the blonde Allison yeah. wig. And then, but Hannah doesn't think, what if I ripped this mask off? No. Like, yeah. She doesn't think I would, enough for that. What mask would have been under the alley <laughs> I mask? Know. I don't know. Um, but anyway, so then she realizes that, like, oh. 
A knows that Caleb and I yeah, are the double around. costume means that A yeah. knew what was happening. Yep. Um, Brief detour back to the Marin household, even though things are heating up. Yeah. On the train. Gotta get back to we the We gotta get back house. to this creepy blonde girl, this ghost. Ashley fi- is looking for her, finds her up in Hannah's room, standing there creepily. Yeah. Says her sister told told their mom that she ran away. Quote, we're sisters, but we fight over everything, even our dolls. I think she just likes to fight. I just yeah. think that's funny. Yeah. And I understand why people think that she's, yeah. like, some stand-in for Cece. Yeah, totally. And and to some extent, she is, right? Like, not literally, but it's meant to be kind of, you know, they're, they're hinting at the twins thing. And totally. then Ashley calls Ted up. Well, no, because Ashley touches her hand. Yeah, she's freezing cold. And it's freezing cold. It's actually quite like the scene in Twilight when... Yeah. And when Bella accidentally touches Edward's hand, it's yeah. almost shot for shot. Yeah. So she calls Ted up. Ted, so she's like, oh, Ted, like, can you can you come up here for a minute? Ted definitely thinks he's about to get some. No. Uh, and then this is also where and I had The girl's missing up. and the blanket that Ashley had put over her shoulders is yeah, folded, folded up, on, up the on the bed. And this is where I also had the thought, I was like, what if this wasn't a ghost? What if this was actually just a little girl dressed as a ghost? And I love the idea of, like... She just, like, hid under the bed. Yeah. And and I love the idea of, like, at some point, actually getting a hold of this girl's parents, and they come to pick her up or whatever, and Ashley has to explain, like, I, your, I genuinely thought your daughter was a ghost. Her costume <laughs> tricked me, an adult woman, on Halloween into thinking <laughs> I was seeing a ghost. Oh, love it. <laughs> next, um, next scene, Spencer is back alone near the... I would have thought she learned her lesson. Um, she's back looking for Aria alone near the, like, cabin, in one of the cabin cars. Finds Garrett's mask. So, if we're, like, plotting things, Garrett has been, spoiler, killed yeah. at this point. Like, right? Garrett has been taken yeah. by whomever. Then, Spencer's attacked by the Queen of Hearts. Literally, the Queen of Hearts is about to throw her overboard yeah. on yet another one like, of these platforms between trains. <laughs> and somehow she gets away, and then they keep fighting back inside the car. Paige saves her, and Paige, they find a, Paige finds a big, one of the big press-on nails in yeah. Spencer's hair. Cut to Aria, gets the duct tape off of her mouth, turns over, sees a dead body in the crate with her. It's Garrett. Uh, uses, and then starts using the nail. Uh, the, you know, nail that almost killed her, um, to rip through the wrist duct tape. Next scene. Then they, I guess, Emily, Emily and Paige have gone into one of the cars so that Emily can give Paige a full rundown of what's going on. We're wasting a lot of time. So much time. And you will see that this time was really valuable. Mm -hmm. They make note of the fact that A knew that Caleb and Hannah were were sneaking around. And this they is make, also a big step, though, with the page thing, again, because an episode before, they thought that yeah. she was A. And yeah. they're like, okay, we're going to tell her everything. Yeah. Then they make note of how big the press-on nail is, kind of saying, well, maybe it's a man who was actually yeah. the Queen of Hearts, not a woman. Then Paige goes to look with Caleb and Toby, and her and Spencer have, like, a really weird interaction where Spencer Weirdest. says, like, oh, thanks for saving me. Like, thanks for saving my life. Like, Quite literally, like, Spencer would have died. And then Paige so weirdly says, it was a pleasure. Yeah. Which is such a strange way to such say anything. Such a strange way. Uh, there's a lot of things that you could say there. Uh, oh, no problem. No problem. Or, uh, of course. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, I'm just glad you're okay. Yeah. Or even a weird choice, but it was my pleasure. Uh-huh. Weird choice. 
still not as weird as it was a pleasure. Wild words. Yeah. Wild wording choice. Next scene. Uh, Arya start the, the crate that Arya is in starts to be pushed. Yep. Toward. And she's still toward an open, open side door of the train. Yeah. Like a cargo loading yeah. door. Um, and she's still struggling to rip through the duct tape with the nail. Next scene, Paige runs into Jenna in the drinks car. I'm looking for Arya. Have you seen her? No, but she has a thing for authority figures, so she's probably up with the engineer. <laughs> <laughs> and then, there's another, that's really all Greatest that happens bird. here. Um, but then, the scene ends with Jenna looking strangely at Lucas's abandoned old-timey camera on, like, a table or something nearby. Yeah. Like, she's very ominous. It's very weird. Unimportant. And I think we're supposed to be like, well, where's Lucas? Yeah. Why isn't Lucas carrying this old-timey camera? Probably his arms were just tired because those things are heavy. Back in the crate with Arya. She's still being pushed. Yeah, and the side door of the train is open, and we hear a male voice saying, lied to me, can't do this. Next scene, liars make their way towards the back of the car, don't look in any of the cabins, though, even though they're looking for their missing friend. And yeah. we have all of these open cabins that she could be in. Yeah. But we don't check a single one. We're just, she must be in the hallway. Yeah. Uh, we reach the de- a dead end, uh, but then, and they're like about to turn around and go back, but then they see Arya's necklace and Hannah breaks through the window with a fire extinguisher. Arya is saved by her insane jewelry. She's leaving it like breadcrumbs. Yeah. <laughs> that's why that's why that's these girls why wear so many wearing, accessories. Yes. That's why they're wearing all those rings. You can just yeah. drop them and rings like really easy. To, yeah. Um, so we're back with Arya. She finally breaks through the duct tape uh, with the nail. The crate is still being pushed towards the door. Then we have a female voice say, push, damn it. Male voice. No. Crate gets stuck on a bolt. Male voice. I can't. Female voice, shut up, come back here. Arya stabs someone with a screwdriver through, the, through a gap in the crate. A male voice groans. The crate is literally halfway out the train. Yeah. Like, I, also, I cannot stress enough the way that that bolt saved her life. Yes. Thank God for that bolt. Without that bolt, Arya is dead. Dead. This is the closest maybe any of the girls ever come 100%, to 100%. Yeah. Then they run away, and the liars get there literally just in the nick of time. Like, this crate is. Had a tree been slightly closer to the tracks, mm-hmm. it would have hit this because it was sticking out of the train. This crate is on the downward tip out of the train. Yeah. <laughs> and then they save it and, you know, they close the door and they pry Arya out of it and they all stare in shock at And Garrett's they do their thing where they stand body. in a line and clutch each other. Yeah. I love that. Um, one thing that I did find out that was fun is that that is a wax body double or whatnot yeah. of of Garrett it's not actually the actor it's honestly kind of my dream I think to have a dead body double of me made oh. like like Bella in Twilight like that creepy <laughs> Bella doll yeah just, it's so fun yeah we're back at the Marin household yeah. I know we don't want to be but we have to I guess yeah so we're back at the Marin household they're drinking wine and they're talking about this ghost girl she was so cold Ashley asked Ted do you, do you believe it goes and he's like I'm not supposed to they're That's drinking it. wine. <laughs> Done. Now we're back on the train. State troopers are there. They're taking statements. Arya comes back. They wanted to take her to the hospital, but she said no. Babe, go to the hospital. Yeah. Go to the hospital. Also, like, she'd been drugged with who knows what. Oh, who knows? And then they start talking about what Garrett told them. Mm-hmm. About Byron, and they're talking about A, and Wilden, and all of this stuff. 
when I tell you, no Khan is sitting right next to them. Oh, yeah. No Khan is hearing with absolute clarity every word that they're saying. Yeah. So then, like, they, they're talking about what's going on, and they, you know, they are like, okay, guys, like, let's uh, make sure we're all in agreement. A killed Garrett, yes or no? And they're like, yes. Uh, and then they realize that A, that's what all of this is about, that A wanted them to do all of these things that ended up getting Garrett cleared so that A could kill Garrett. Hannah notices that everything in the, everyone in the car has something to do with Garrett. Uh, and then Ezra shows up. Jason in the background looks disappointed. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, then Noel comes up to them and says, why don't you tell the cops you did it so we can all go home? Noel and Toby start a little, pick a little fight with one another. And Toby says, like, <laughs> Toby says to Noel, you don't want to know, Noel. You don't want to know, Noel. You don't want to know, Noel. There's something about the way he says it that makes me laugh. He also does, like, a little, like, he he's wearing, like, a vest, right? And he does, like, that thing where he, he kind of, like, picks up his vest and, like, puts, He, like, pops, he pops the collar in a way yeah, that also, to, like, crosses his fight. arm. It's, uh, it's weird. It, kills me one time it almost did literally it kill was, us it, we were, it took us by surprise we were <laughs> both like drinking water at the time that yeah. it happened and and king and alan almost murdered us <laughs> uh then T- toby pushes noel into the drinks coffin it breaks and then ice is spilling out and a body bag from yes. the funeral home guys we have found Allie's missing body it's been in the drink cooler this whole time and it's, that's why like every scene is centered around this drink cooler it's so it's good so good so another thing with this it comes out and did you notice the name of the funeral home i did but i don't remember it it's caron c h a r o n and sons caron spelled that way right is the ferryman who who brings souls to the underworld. Oh. Yeah. So just like name, a fun little... Why did you name your funeral on that? <laughs> well, it's a weird choice. <laughs> it's both apt and inappropriate. <laughs> yes. Um, and then we also see Lucas takes a picture of the body oh, bag. Yeah. And it makes me wonder, what if Lucas is... Because we know that Mona has been like blackmailing mm-hmm. Lucas and stuff, so he is doing A shit, right? Mm-hmm. What if the A shit that he was like hired to do on this train was just like videographer like he was in charge of like documenting like this for cc right like <laughs> cc was like i need somebody on the train taking pictures of stuff that happens so she can enjoy it later yeah. so that's why lucas had to come dressed as an old-timey photographer yeah i like that the other thing to note here and this is sad this is the beginning of what i have decided to call the great Noel con drought oh yeah so this is his last episode of season three mid-season three no more Noel con for the rest of the season then he only has one episode in season four. And then just like three in season five, none in season six. <gasps> Not a single no con in season six. And then he has a triumphant return of seven episodes in season seven that ends with him being decapitated. Oh, man. Uh, so this is the great no con. He's very heavy in seasons one, two, and like 3A. Yeah. But then 3B to... To the end of well, season we six, do know that not. this is maybe maybe this is when he starts working with with Cece because yeah. we know that he was involved in the dollhouse. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why he's busy. Yeah. His mercenary job picked up. Yeah, and and I, and I do think that there is. We'll have an Olcon episode. We'll talk about, but I, we'll we'll have to this conjecture is what, the fourteenth time that we've, we've teased this Olcon <laughs> episode. I I just I. I think that there is a dark turn that his life takes during while we're not seeing him. Yeah. That is 
you know, how in season seven he comes back as a straight up mercenary. Yeah. Uh, so next we're back at Radley. A nurse is once again looking in the little door window um, into Mona's room. And we see that Mona is back in bed. And then we pan down and underneath her bed is uh, an out al- the alley mask that, um, so it was Mona who groped Hannah. And our last scene is iconic. absolutely iconic. It, like, earth-shattering at the Literally. time, guys. Literally. Oh, <laughs> Literally a hand Literally. comes out of the earth yes. and shatters um, the earth. We, we have, like, an air, we get a great, like, aerial shot of the gazebo, like, loose dirt construction plot in the dealer on his backyard. We see a hand reach out yeah. of this loose dirt. And Just that like reaching for for the air. And yeah. you can see that Allison it has Allison's it's bracelet. Allison De Laurentiis. Yeah. She's alive. She's alive. Or like Or was. Or was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no confirmation yet that she made it out. Yes. But you also have to assume that she did because otherwise had she still suffocated and died, her hand would have been sticking out. People, it wouldn't have taken a year to find her body. <laughs> so that is the episode. Yeah, and it only took us an hour and a half to talk oh, through boy. an hour long episode. Honestly, I I, I was worried it was going to take longer. Yeah, same. But we now have to unpack what, what was actually hell going on. was going on on this train because there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of like conflict, like the seemingly conflicting things going on we have and i'm going to start with kind of like the red herrings yeah and it's all and we mentioned lucas and jason are doing nothing lucas jason and jenna are all kind of having these moments with one another that have no purpose they're doing nothing except for again lucas is taking photos for cc and okay and then this is one thing that i wanted to flag because on the fandom wiki I saw, I think it was in the comments, I spent some time on the fandom wiki last night, guys. They were talking about how the Queen of Hearts, Jenna's a red herring for the Queen of Hearts because she had that Queen of Hearts themed birthday party. And did we talk about this on the on the pod yet? I don't know. But that was not a Queen of Hearts themed birthday party, guys. Nope. We need to set the record straight. That was a Mad Hatter themed birthday party. And you might think, what are you talking about? They never mentioned that. And obviously there's some other Alice in Wonderland, like, decor. There's giant mushrooms. There's some, there are some cards, you know, there's definitely like an Alice in Wonderland vibe. But in, in, um, at Jenna's party a couple episodes, episodes ago, that girl is poison. Every single person at this party is wearing a hat. Yeah. So like the invitation had to have been like, oh, it's a mad mad hat hat themed. Wear Wear a hat. Just any hat. Any hat. The hats in the, that scene are absolutely insane. Please go watch that like, with that. Like, Paige shows up just like a beanie. Like, it was like a requirement that you wear a hat. Yeah. So some people are wearing silly hats. Except for Arya and Ezra are not wearing hats. They would never. Because they're just dropping by. I just had to correct that thing yeah. on the fandom wiki. And I wasn't I sure if talk, we would yeah. ever I have. talk about Jenna's 17th birthday party all day. We can't. Right. We and can't I, go and into I, that. And I wasn't sure if we would have another opportunity come up and so anyways that's a mad hatter themed not a queen of hearts but anyways yeah i died watch out for our jenna's 17th birthday episode <laughs> it'll be seven hours long. <laughs> now what we're gonna do is we're gonna kind of each go through like what we think is happening like what people's motivations are nobody knows what the hell is happening on this halloween train i don't know that the writers fully like Mm-mm. in detail are like who this did is what, what who did what and why so i'm gonna lay out what I think 
to the best of my cognitive abilities, mm-hmm. am I able to figure out like what is happening here? And then I'll present my you'll case. present yours and we'll see. Yep. Go for it. Perhaps maybe we'll, we'll, it'll end up being a combination. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll figure it out. So there's the major players, right? We have Cece, Wilden, Mona, Melissa, because we do know that Melissa was the other queen of hearts and Toby. Those are our mm-hmm. five and Garrett kind of. Yeah. Uh, so those are our five people that we need to kind of account for. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think Garrett is the easiest to say, like, Garrett is here to tell Spencer what's going on mm-hmm. and, like, what his, like, his side of the story, right? Cece is, I believe, not on the train. Agreed. I, I think Cece, again, Cece is directing things, and I don't think that anybody that's on the train at Cece's behest slash blackmail, uh, I don't think that they know necessarily who all else is on the train that is working towards any of these same goals, right? Like they all only know their piece of the puzzle mm-hmm. and CC is the only one that has sort of the whole puzzle. The simplest motives are Toby and Mona. I think that Mona's job on the train from CC is just pranks, just your standard a pranks. I think there was a plan to drug Aria. I think that there was a plan to kill Garrett. I don't think Mona was in on that plan necessarily. Uh, I think that her main thing was just mess with the liars. Right. And I think that Mona is probably the one that, you know, erased the Aria's name to leave the like a message on the window because that's a very fun Mona type of thing. Toby's job, I think, is to give Wilden the drugs and bullets because Mona. I'm pretty sure that Toby is the one that Mona gives those to. So I think that Toby then is the one that gives those to Wilden. Mm-hmm. But Toby, I don't think has an understanding of what. Right. Is actually intended with any of those. I mean, shouldn't Toby oh. have a sense that the bullets oh. are being used for something bad? Oh, Toby should be concerned. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's not, and he's not, especially because like he's supposedly trying to protect. Spencer. Sorry, yeah, he's, he's supposedly trying to protect Spencer. But anyways, Toby's like main goal, the main deliverable for Toby is the reveal of mm-hmm. Allison's body. He is supposed to orchestrate that body getting revealed in some way. So then let's, let's, the the real crux of it is Cece, Melissa, and Wilden. What are they doing? So I think that Cece's goal here is mess with the liars, drug Aria, scare them, kill Garrett. Because it's clear that Cece does want Garrett dead. I, however, do not think that Cece intended for Aria to come so close to dying uh, or Spencer. I don't think that Cece ever wanted them to be killed. And that was clearly what the Queen of Hearts was going for. Mm-hmm. Wilden wanted to kill them because I think Wilden Wilden went on the train with a certain with a mission from CC. His main thing was kill Garrett. Right? All of the shit with the liars is a little bit a little bit more juvenile. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that Wilden would have been involved in that. He drugs Aria, but I don't think he's involved in like the A message aspect of it. I mean I guess that could technically be Melissa, but I don't think it is. I I'm pretty firm that that's Wilden. And then Who drugs Aria. Who drugs Aria, yes. As but Wilden's main deliverable is kill Garrett. However, Wilden is also very concerned about what Garrett knows because Wilden covered up Allie's murder. Wilden mm-hmm. is complicit in Allie's murder. And Garrett was seen talking to Spencer. Spencer. And I think that Wilden at this point kind of goes off on his own he panics i think 
I think Wilden is really going off the rails. Uh huh. And he's, he's going rogue. Yeah. And so he kills Garrett, and I think that he decides that he's going to kill the four liars because mm-hmm. he doesn't know what Garrett told them, and he doesn't know what Spencer's had a chance to tell anybody else. So he's like, I'm going to kill them. So that, I think, is why Arya, it's not why Arya is drugged, but it is why Arya ends up with, in the box with Garrett. Okay. Uh, then there's Melissa. Melissa's the last piece, and this this is gets like a little bit iffy because it, it is the female voice that's saying, push, and the male voice saying, I can't. Now, I think the male voice there being Wilden mm-hmm. is not saying like, I can't, I can't like kill mm-hmm. her, right? I think there's a, I can't, there's a bolt here. I'm trying. <laughs> I think it's a literal can't. Okay. And I don't, do we, I don't know that we have confirmation that Melissa knew Arya was in the box. And here's the thing. The door is open. I think it is possible that Melissa did not hear Arya. and runs off once Arya stabs Wilden and Melissa realizes that there's somebody in the box because the only evidence we have I think for her knowing that someone is in the box is in the episode when Mona shows the video Wilden is saying leave her the plan has changed we assume that the her is Arya in the box but that her could be Mona that like that that could be a number of people yeah. I feel like right I don't think that necess- so I don't know that Melissa knew that Arya was in the box because obviously if Arya had actually come or Melissa had come that close to killing Arya I don't think that's a forgivable thing so I think that that can't be the case so that is what I think is happening on the Halloween train Haley, okay. what do you think is happening yeah I mean it, uh, mostly aligns but there's I, I have a couple different interpretations okay. and I again did a little bit of like extra research and some of the episodes where we talk about the Halloween train mm-hmm. to like fill in some yeah. blanks. Oh, it should also just be mentioned that Melissa's being blackmailed. Yeah. That, that's what for we don't know. Unclear. Um so yeah, so Mona again, I agree. She's there for some pranks. She's there. Maybe even I think potentially the goal was to reveal to Hannah that like they know about her and Caleb sort of thing. Yeah, I think that that was yeah her main thing. <clears throat> um Toby again, he is there. I, I agree. I think his main deliverable is revealing Allie's body and of course he's playing a good boyfriend to Spencer Garrett agreed he's just there to try and talk to Spencer and let, now let's talk about the main three where I think the most yeah. confusion is Wilden Queen of Hearts number one here's what I think Wilden is responsible he attacks Spencer he kills Garrett and he is the one that's stabbed by by Arya that's like kind of his main points now Melissa Queen of Hearts number two I think what we hear Melissa talk about when it comes to the Halloween train later on, I think Melissa may be full of shit. Mm, okay. Um, because I think she was maybe the one to drug Arya. Okay. I think she is kind of leading this charge to push Arya, to push this crate. And I think she knows. Because I think she knows that Arya is in there. It's just a feeling I get. I just think that Melissa's full of shit. What? Okay. Because I think the it's the tone in that they're talking. I understand. I see where you're coming from with the like, oh, he could just say like, I he could just be saying I can't because it's stuck on the bolt. But there's something about the tone paired with the conversation that we then see on video later on. But does that imply that Wilden then is having some sort of moral dilemma about killing Arya? I don't think it's a moral dilemma. I think it's like it's just it. it for him, it doesn't maybe matter as much. Like maybe I don't know maybe I'm wrong I I, maybe it is just that stuck on the thing but whatever Mm -hmm. I could I could be convinced either way 
Yeah. Um, I just don't know that I see as much motivation for Melissa to want to kill Arya as I do Will. I, I think it depends on what she's being blackmailed for. Like, if she feels like the directive is kill Arya, I 100% believe, depending on what she's being blackmailed for, that Melissa's capable of murder. But then, but then would that imply that Cece wanted Arya to be killed? Who knows? I mean, Wilden could have told her, somebody else could have, like... I don't know. If I'm, if I am... If I'm building an elaborate underground bunker dollhouse, you're to right. Keep you're right. I don't kill them before I get them there. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. I could be convinced either way, but I do think it's interesting that like it is the female voice who is encouraging. It, he doesn't just say I can't. He also says no at some point, which That's does true. not no, imply no. He says no. Then the crate gets stuck on the bolt. Okay. And he says I can't. And then he starts walking away or leaving. And she says, shut up, come back here. Mm-hmm. And that's when that's he right. comes back and he gets stabbed. So I do think there is more to the conversation than just him saying, I can't. Because if it was just, I can't, I think you could say like, yes, it's stuck on the bolt. But he says no quite mm-hmm. separately from, I, I can't. had a thought. Okay. Do, do you have some... Can I, can I finish? Yes, finish okay. your, okay. So then in A is for A-L-I-V-E, season four, episode one, that's where we get the um, the conversation that Wilden and Melissa have. And I will say this conversation, I feel very confident, happens before Garrett is killed. They've okay. drugged Arya and put her in the box. I think that they have drugged Arya and put her in the box together. Mm-hmm. She, Melissa's drugged her. Maybe Garrett has been the one that's kind of, dealt with her body sort of thing and he's wilden says to melissa it's not gonna happen listen to me just leave her plans have changed garrett's gonna tell them everything we can't let that happen and so this obviously takes place before garrett is dead so i think aria is 100 percent in that box mm-hmm. before garrett is so okay. then in facetime season four episode four just a couple episodes later that's when uh, spencer confronts Melissa outside of Hector the mask maker's shop. Melissa says to Spencer, none of us were helping him. We were afraid of him. Speaking about Wilden. Someone was telling Wilden what to do. I didn't know about hurting you until I was on the train. So alternatively, what if the her the the you know le- plans have changed leave her mm-hmm. is referring to Arya who has been drugged by Melissa mm-hmm. and and Wilden at this point, but perhaps is not in the box okay. at this point. Perhaps Melissa thinks, okay, like, we're we're leaving Arya. She's mm-hmm. over here, like, drugged, right? We have to go take out Garrett now. Mm-hmm. Wilden puts Arya in the box without Melissa knowing that. Mm-hmm. So Melissa thinks, okay, we've kind of just abandoned this drugging. Arya thinks we have to take care of Garrett. Wilden, who is involved in this cover-up and wants wants to get rid of the liars, which mm-hmm. he says, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to tell them everything, is the one that puts Arya in the box to get rid of her as well. Doesn't tell Melissa. Now, yeah. no, 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 no. I have another I have another caveat, or another thing. With the male voice. Mm-hmm. We assume that that is Wilden. However, are you suggesting that it's Lucas? I'm suggesting it's Lucas. No. No, 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 no. Because I reject that. I, I think Wilden is there, obviously, right? But mm-hmm. just because we hear two voices do not, does not mean that there's only two people. Yeah. I think, potentially, because Lucas is very suspicious on the train. Mm-hmm. We do see, like, his abandoned camera yeah. at some point. And obviously, 
we're, we're, we're having this whole debate That's because fun. we refuse to accept a plot hole mm-hmm. in Purdue. We refuse, like, we'll come up with a logical explanation, right? I don't think the writers were ever that concerned, right, about that. But I think that it is reasonable to say it's Lucas. You know what? And I actually am now deciding it is Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> because we also see Lucas limping the next day. And we're supposed to believe that, like, oh, because he's, like, kind of run over by Toby when he's skateboarding late at night. And he says his excuse is, like, oh, I, like, hurt myself skateboarding. Yeah. But, like, we – I think maybe that's yeah. a lie. It could be a lie. And we also never see – so we also never see Wilden with, like, an injury necessarily, right? Yeah. And why is Lucas being run over? Is it because he abandoned pushing the crate off the train partway through? Oh. And that's when he is cut off from the eight. That's when he yes. That's the punishment. See, I knew we would get there. I knew we would I get knew there. We'd get there. Yes. So it's the it's Melissa Wilda and Lucas pushing it. Yeah. Lucas is the one saying like, no, I can't. He mm-hmm. leaves. Melissa's like, get back here. He doesn't. They keep pushing. No, he comes back because he gets stabbed. Oh, that's right. He does come back. He comes back. He gets he gets stabbed, and then they they take off. Uh-huh. And I think. I think Wilden is definitely with them. Yeah, but I think no, he's not. Guys, speaking. I don't know if you guys are grasping what's happening right now, but we've just cracked the Da Vinci Code. Yeah, <laughs> like, this is huge. This is monumental. Um, yeah, that's definitely. I feel so confident now because it does make more sense. Because it makes no sense for Wilden to You're have right. any qualms about killing, and that's Arya. why I was so I was so confused because I was like, Melissa's clearly. And I do still think Melissa's full of shit. I do think that Melissa knew more about what was going on yeah. than I think she's obviously going to reveal to Spencer. Yeah. Um, so I do think that Melissa, I think she had probably an inkling that Arya was in that box. Potentially. I think I think she may have... Especially it if, may have crossed if, her mind. Especially if Lucas knew. Like, if Lucas knew enough oh, but to, I think, like, have... Here's the thing, though. I think Lucas could have enough qualms just about pushing Garrett's dead body off the train. It's true. Yeah, maybe. Lucas is a high school boy that's yeah. not, he's not as hardened as the rest of them. Yeah, that's true. And wow, I can't believe it's Lucas, guys. Guys, you're hearing it here first. We have definitive proof that Lucas is the one <laughs> stabbed by Aria with the screwdriver. Yeah. Incontrovertible. <laughs> and unless, the only way I could be convinced is if I, Marlene King, comes on this podcast herself. <laughs> And explains to us that that's not true. Yeah. That's the only way. So, Marlene, you're welcome anytime. I'd also take Joseph Doherty, because he did write the episode, didn't he? I would also take yeah. Joseph. Wow. Wow, we, we cracked it. I'm really proud of us. I'm so proud. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know where we go from there. I don't know where we go from there. Maybe. Do they have anything else? So, I did kind of break down Cece Charlotte's motivation. So, what she was trying to do. I don't think that Garrett was originally going to be killed on this train. Okay, because what about the, the bullets? Insurance. <laughs> insurance. Because I don't know that they knew that Garrett was going to be there necessarily. Because remember the conversation that we see in season four, episode one, plans have changed. Garrett's going to tell them everything. We yeah. can't let that happen. Like that makes it seem like but killing I Garrett. I don't think, I, I think that, I think that the directive to kill Garrett absolutely came from Charlotte. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the directive to kill Spencer came from Charlotte. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Again, so, you I don't mean, build an underground dollhouse know. bunker. It's possible. And then kill it's possible maybe Garrett was, they always knew Garrett was going to be there and they were planning to kill him there. Yeah. 
But I think it's also possible that it was like, oh shit, Garrett's here. I mean, I think there Let's was a standing it. directive to take the opportunity to kill yeah. Garrett. Whether or not they knew for sure he was going to be on the train, you have to remember Toby did walk in on him talking to Spencer. It's true. So they knew that, and Spencer tells him exactly why Garrett was talking mm-hmm. to her. Yeah. So they knew that Garrett was going to be looking for an opportunity to talk to Spencer. Mm-hmm. So I think that they definitely foresaw that. Yeah. And I think there was a standing kill yeah. order on Garrett. A standing kill order. <laughs> yeah, but I think overall, Charlotte's main priority for the train was just some good old-fashioned pranks. Uh, and then I think, I agree, I think Wilden kind of went rogue. Yeah. Whether that was killing Garrett or just the attempt to kill Spencer. And Arya. And Arya. I think that, like, that leads to one of the reasons Cece later kills Wilden. Yeah. And I think... She so, cannot trust him to, like, yeah, well, the, yeah, do this her is bidding why. without yeah. going rogue. That's what happens when you enlist a grown adult who can think for themselves yeah. onto your little game team, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, your your A team. <laughs> your your prank game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I th- th- I think the events of the Halloween train are absolutely what lead to Wilden's murder. Mm-hmm. This is why Cece takes him out. I think that he went super rogue. He and Well, and also she later says that she- when she knows that Allie is alive, she knows Allie would never, he would never let Allie come back to town. Yeah. So I think it's like a dual yeah. reason. It was like, she can't trust Wilden and Wilden was never going to let Allie come back. Yeah. I think that's everything. Yeah. That's everything. That's that a Halloween, Halloween train. train. We, we fucking cracked it. We cracked the code, guys. And I can't, I'm not going to lie to you and say that we haven't felt this way before. It feels like every, yeah, it feels like, We've cracked this episode several times, but I think we really cracked. We it this really time. cracked it this time. If if we come up with some, if if we come up with some reason why this can't, why we're wrong, we'll make a part two brief update. Yes, leave us reviews and share it with your pretty little liars friends if you yeah. have them. And also, you can email us. We have of late rosewood at gmail.com. Yep, that's it. We have an Instagram. Yeah. We have a TikTok. You can, we're, guys, we're really bad at TikTok, but we're, we're trying. We're so bad at it. Uh, Would you say that we're worse at podcasting or worse at TikTok? Hmm. It's tough. It's really tough. It's, we're bad at both. Yeah. Um, but whatever. We appreciate our like loyal five listeners. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's three really loyal ones and two, you know, they're going to listen probably. And we know one of them in real life. So. Yes. <laughs> so we have two loyal stranger listeners. Yep. Um, anyways, we appreciate you. Cheerios, yeah. stop. Cheerios, stop. For every bear that ever there was will gather there for certain because today's the day the teddy bears have their pick. No, but she has a thing for authority figures so she's probably up with the engineer.